All right. Hi, hi. Welcome back to another uh, Katasi Healing Talk. My name is Helmut. I am here with my wife, Kate, Kate Cradle Whitaker. Hi, Kate. Hi. And today we're going to talk another about another passage from uh, chapter five from Sacred Link called Touch the Clay, Touch the Altar. And it's a question that Kay asked Damana. And the question goes, what can I do to change it? And um, leading up to the question, Damana and Chia guided Kay through some intense experience to where she learned a deeper understanding of the dysfunctional ways people live in our modern culture. And so much so that she cried herself to sleep in at night. And during a conversation um, they had the next day, she asked Amana that very question, what can I do to change it? So that's the theme and I'll let you go deeper into it okay, from here. All right, thank you. Enjoy. Okay. I think I'm, I'm gonna start by reading um, the passage that he's talking about. And it's, it's picking up right where uh, Helmut was talking about. They, they've been giving me these teachings and these exercises and ceremonies to, uh, to get me to understand the kind of brainwashing that I had been put through with it. Uh, the entire modern culture has been put through. Uh, and this is what they would call uh, being asleep, uh, the blindness, uh, the, the fog. Uh, and I think there's um, been several different ways of talking about it, some of, some of which are a little sharper, harsher than others. A sleepness, uh, well, when you really think about it, it, it pretty much is, says it all. These teachings were about the physical senses and how the modern culture and all the cultural beliefs and dictates have suppressed uh, our ability to experience our senses to the fullest. And we don't notice it. We don't notice the difference because the last time we were feeling our senses to the fullest, we were an infant or a toddler. And as we learned from the culture, from the people around us, family, everybody, uh, we learned the cultural ways. And this is how to numb yourself out and really put, put yourself into um, this tunnel vision. Can't think of other ways to say it. Just a, a half blind tunnel vision. And this goes for all the senses. This, we've just turned the volume down on them. And it hit me like, like getting a brick in the head. 
uh, you know, it's one thing to hear them talk about it and to hear the stories and then go through the different exercises and, and the ceremonies that uh, one for each of our physical senses. So we spent a number of weeks on at least on each sense, just one sense at a time and learning how to, to focus the attention on the sensations coming through that, that physical sense. And at, at one point, it just, it just hit me in the head and I was really very overwhelmed. Uh, the degree of this manipulation that we have been subjected to, this, uh, this dimming down, turning down of, of everything. I think in the middle of, of where we are in, in the story right now, this, I was working on the sense of touch and I think that's kind of what put, pushed me over the edge. I, we'd gone through some of the other senses before the sense of touch, but uh, this just, I, I just felt completely powerless, diminished, overwhelmed, unable to think in, in any way whatsoever about how does one undo this? How, how does one get out of this? Or can you? Um, and we've been so thoroughly programmed essentially for our whole lives. How do, how do we change it? And that's what I asked him. I said, uh, what can I do to change it? Because they had been teaching me a lot about not expecting something outside of myself, myself, them, or, or other people, or you know, some kind of magic that's outside me to just go poof and make it all nice and good and better, better. But in this way of thinking and living, in this shamanic tradition, we have to learn how to do things for ourselves and figure things out inside ourselves. Yeah. If we don't like what we see, uh, in terms of you know what's in us, what's around us, what we've made our life to be, then the responsibility lies on us, each individual, to figure out what it is we really do want, and how do we manage to do that? How do we manage to get there? So. Damano says, first thing, it's always really kind of blunt to the point. First thing he says, don't live for them. And he's really vocally, not with his finger so much, but vocally pointing the finger at me, don't live for them. What we have learned how to do in our modern culture to help keep us asleep we learn how to pretend to be somebody else, somebody that we think others want us to be or what the culture 
wants us to be or what they expect us to be. And we've spent our whole lives learning how to be this picture, this made up picture that somebody else made up that we're supposed to live up to and, and identify ourselves with, think that that's who we are, who we should be, who we have to become. If we don't, we're just a horrible failure and an outcast and, and nobody will ever want us or want us around or uh, love us or the worst of the worst of the worst. So we end up living for them. This, this uh, cultural phrase that we use, the them, the big them, we live for them, not, not for ourselves. And the thought of trying to live for ourselves is almost unthinkable in our modern culture when we're asleep to, um, to think about trying to find inside yourself what, what the picture of you really is, the true picture, your true identity, what it is, what it wants, where it's headed, what did you come into uh, this life for? What's your purpose? We just, those things are get pretty close to taboo in our modern culture. We don't, we don't take that kind of concept seriously. And we certainly don't pursue it because uh, we won't be accepted by others. We won't be uh, okay in the eyes of others. We won't be liked. So we end up doing everything, thinking everything through in terms of how it's going to please all these other people, how it's going to uh, please the picture that they all have of you. Trying to live up to that, the mythical picture. So he says, don't live for them, live for you. To a lot of people in our modern culture that live for you could really sound selfish. It could sound uh, very self-serving. And we're always, we're taught in the modern culture and, and the whole Judeo-Christian Muslim outlook on life. Um, it's, it's much better to, to give than to receive. It's much better to always try to be doing things to make others happy, to appease others. And that's supposed to make you happy. But the Hedekas say it's, it's a lie. It's a whole lot of lies. And we're trying to do things, expecting ourselves to be uh, eager to do them, be happy to do these things, happy to fulfill them, happy to uh, give, give this pleasure 
to other people around us to live up to their picture of us. It's going to make them happy. It's going to make them peaceful. It's going to make them like you more. It's going to make them easier to get along with. Domano just leaned over and, and he said, take back what is yours. We have given ourselves away what is true to us, true to the core of us, to the depths of us, to, to our own spirit or soul. That's what they call our own song our beingness, our aliveness. Take back what is yours. Because we learned how to throw it all away, give it away to others, to think of it as meaningless and worthless and, and, and being um, really self, selfish uh, in a way the culture disapproves of. So he goes on to say, a person's song can never be cut away from them. So one song, one's aliveness, your beingness, your consciousness. This is your, your true identity. Who you are in this lifetime, who you always have been. This is your song. And he says, it can never be cut away. You can't, you can't separate yourself from it because you are it. That's who and what you are. He says, they tricked you into turning away from it. To blind yourselves. To make yourselves numb. But you don't have to be. You can fight. Only this war is inside you. It's not with anything outside. It's not with anybody else. It's not with the culture at large. It's not with this group or that group or this religion or that religion. This is a, a battle, a struggle that you have to find and address inside yourself. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can save you from any of this or change any of it. We are all, the only person, the only thing in the universe that can change these things for us, inside of us. It's an inside of us thing. We have to learn how we've been programmed and diminished, volumes turned down, put to sleep. And then make the choice and find the steps to undo it, to reclaim what is yours. And he says, 
the battle here is to find yourself and the path you stand on. Find yourself, find your song, find out who, what that is, what it feels like, what it's made of, what's, what's inside the song, what does it really think and, and want? What's, what's the beingness and consciousness feel like? And then the path you stand on. That has a lot of meanings and it changes through your life. For me at that time, I was learning their sacred ways and their tribal ways. And I was coming from this modern culture, from being asleep, from being indoctrinated, to, have, to being in the state of diminished awareness, diminished awareness of my own senses, diminished awareness of everything that I would you know, try to perceive around me diminished awareness of the other people around me, who they are, what they are, what their song is, what it feels like, what, what all these other things, what's a tree feel like, and the grass, and the sky, and the wind, and the water. What do they feel like? And on the inside, the Hedekas say that we have senses that are invisible, the invisible senses. We have our physical senses, we're, you know, we kind of got an idea what that is, even though we've diminished them. But on the inside, on the spiritual level and the emotional level, we have in a sense, the same, all the same kind of, of senses, only they don't, there's not a sensory organ, you know, like ears for hearing and tongue for tasting and all that. Our whole beingness is the sensory organ. So in this, being on this path to learn what they know, It means finding those inside senses, the spirit senses, the, the unseen, the invisible senses. Finding the path that we walk on. At this moment in time in the story, I was still very, very, very asleep. I was just starting to crack Humpty Dumpty's eggshell. And so the path I was currently standing on is a very asleep path <laughs> and one that was kind of starting to crack under my feet and making things feel very precarious, not quite knowing what what my path was, what my direction was, what it, 
you know, maybe what it should be. That's what our modern culture teaches us. We grew up learning should, 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 should. But with this way of learning, it's not a should. There aren't shoulds. You either want to learn this and you want to feel it and experience it. That's the only way we can learn it, is to feel it and experience it. So we have to learn how to do that. What does that mean? Feel, feel all these things, feel the tree. On a very physical sense, you know, it would mean going and touching it, touch the bark, touch, touch the leaves and needles, smell it, be seeing it with your eyes, might taste it, put a little in your mouth, taste it. Maybe hear the, the moving of the, the leaves, the branches rustling. Those are all the physical edge. It's like the top piece of the senses. The, the physical outer, outer edge, the covering of what the real senses are, which are the the spirit senses, the invisible senses. And this, that's all feeling. It's all feeling and experiencing. So for me at this moment, uh, find myself, find path I'm standing on. This, this is uh, almost Greek. Well, you know, it's a sort of barely start to understand it a little bit. Like, what's he talking about? I don't know. I'm never going to know. But I had just enough to realize that uh, the path I was standing on was really, really different than the path that Damana and Chia were standing on. And they were walking, they were walking forward down their path. And I could tell that the path that I was on was changing. It was, it was crumbling and it was headed towards some specific things in our culture and taking me down a road of, of trying to do everything for others the way they want me to do it to not think for myself, not feel for myself, but take everybody else's word for it, giving away all my power, giving away a song. So, there, the headache is, uh, gentle but very firm and it's a good thing they repeated they, they knew that um, repetition is a very important piece of how to learn these things especially coming from a totally different culture than his own an asleep culture so they they repeated a lot of stuff so he goes on to say that 
it's it, the battle here. Find yourself, find the path you stand on. It's knowing your own song and feeling this life inside you and the life inside all things. It's living a life that gives as much as it takes from all the relatives, all the relatives, and to meet them, to meet all these beings that we share our existence with, meet them, to know them, to share love with them, to learn the wonders of the world from them. And even to meet with your own species in harmony, meeting with all these relatives and especially with your own species in harmony and giving. Harmony and giving, giving of love, not giving your power away, giving of love, giving of caring, giving this being there for you in love. It's about being able to respect yourself among the generations. That, that just about knocked me off the bench. Because I, this was one of the times that they, they said something to me and I really got it. I really understood the deeper meanings of it. And it just, it just walloped me. Being able to respect yourself among the generations. What they're meaning here is, can you hold your head up in face of all the generations before you? Uh, within your own family and clans or within the, the families and clans and, and races of all these other people on the planet, including theirs. If I was to be in, in the presence of the tribe, and meeting the elders and the others, the children, and feeling the, the presence of the ancestors and their honoring of the ancestors, honoring of what their ancestors taught them and, and holding it uh, as dear as they could and as pure and clean and accurate as they could and living it living their lives according to all those teachings. Could I be among them and be feeling and thinking of their ancestors, their generations, and looking at those little kids, <laughs> the next generation coming up, or pregnant Billy, a woman, the newest one to be born and, and coming up into the world. Could I hold my head up? Could I feel good 
and proud of how I have been living, of what my path had been, how I had treated myself, treated my own song, my own aliveness, my own connectedness to all things, my own relationship to all these relatives and this connectedness. Would I feel shame instead? Would I, would I feel like I hadn't measured up? And at that moment, I definitely felt a lot of shame and realized that uh, the way I have lived my life and, and have thought and felt and had my emotions, my whole life to that point was, was very asleep. And in that very asleep way of being in our modern culture, we, we're taught about things like judging and condemning and belittling people and lying and cheating. And the spiritual things were um, rarely thought of, definitely not understood. The way that I learned how to think about and feel about, feel emotionally about, uh, other members of my species and my culture uh, was was very uh, unpleasant, and I, I could see it, I could feel it, I could feel the repercussions of all that lying, lying way of living living out lies, perpetuating lies, even when you know they're lies, and hurting, purposefully hurting others, demeaning, calling names, having this nasty dark energy and tossing it out at other things, other people, at the drop of a hat. Think about how in our modern culture, we get behind the wheel in the car and we're in the city and we're driving and it's all crazy and it's probably really hot. And, and we find all kinds of irritations, which we use as an excuse to be even more irritated and irritated at each other. And we're doing that on a daily basis, often, frequently, and, and for silly, crazy things. One of the stories I like a lot about what Duano and Chia said, Duano used to remind me of this. You talk about going into the grocery store in the supermarket and we're going down the aisle with the toilet paper and there's toilet paper on both sides of the aisle and it seems like it's endless. There's all roll after roll after roll, and all these different brands. And we're used to a particular brand. And as we're passing by the other brands, we're, we're thinking that they are less than. We're thinking that 
they're, they're, they're no good, they're rotten, they're shitty, they should be you know, tossed off the shelf. Who would ever want to buy that? It's a piece of junk. And we're condemning, judging, condemning, throwing little dark energy darts at all these toilet paper rolls as we walk past them. It's a, it's a pattern, a habit, an addiction, a way that we've learned how to be and think and live. And we do it with anything and everything. And whenever the opportunity pops up. And, and I saw that in myself. I saw how the diminishing of, of myself and believe that what I believed I was, that how um, less than I believed that I was about everything, every aspect of life. We're taught to do that. And we're taught to always be trying to get everybody else's approval and, uh, and get more, more of these brownie points so that we could get up the hierarchical letter, the ladder, uh, getting better than, better than, better than, and staying away from the less than, less than, less than. Don't want to fall down that ladder. But it's okay probably to kick somebody else off, pull somebody else off above you so that now there's some space and you can get up higher and be better then. And that's some kind of a measure of uh, achievement in our culture, our modern asleep culture. And what that has done and how the diminishing of our senses has perpetuated all of this. It's a, it's a tool to help keep us asleep. So he says, uh, being able to respect yourself among the generations. He says, this is dancing the web. This is Juanoa Katasi. It is a choice to walk this beauty or to give it up and walk as one of the living dead. We have that choice every minute of every day of our lives. We don't realize we have the choice because of all the lies that we've been told. It's hidden from us, but we do. And once we really get it, we understand that we have that choice. We can choose to stay on that path of asleepness and numbness and not having any clue of the effects and the ramifications of our actions what they're having on everybody, everything around us, what, the, what they're doing even just to the, the space and the air around us. And it's not just our immediate space, it's all over the planet. Every time we think of 
a different place on the planet, whether we've been there or not. And maybe we've seen pictures of it. Whatever it is we're thinking about that place and whatever we're feeling, emotionally feeling, believing, that energy, that thought energy, the thought form goes straight to the place. So if you're thinking judgmental things, negative things, uh, things uh, that it's, you're, it's very demeaning kinds of, of thoughts, put downs, then all that dark, negative, destructive, injurious energies go straight to that place. If you're thinking of a particular people or a person or maybe a group of people, it goes straight to those people. It's instantaneous. It goes straight to them. So these are, these are the kind of things that were part of this teaching and teaching about the senses. When you start thinking about the, the senses, it, for us, it starts with the physical senses because we have to unlock that first door, the, the physical senses, and start realizing, experiencing what they actually are. They are a point of interaction to what is around us. They are uh, a form of connecting, form of our connectedness to all these different things around us. And they are the doorway to the spirit senses. And they're the doorway to the kind of knowledge that exists around us in the ethers, in the field around us, in all the different living songs around us, including things like the dirt or rocks, water, air, and things that we think of as alive, like the trees and the plants and bugs and animals and uh, other people, that kind of thing. This is how we start. This is where the Hedekas start to try to teach us, to inform us through our own experience. They lead us to the experience. Don't do it for us. Nobody can do it for you. They lead you to the experience so that you could experience all these things for yourself. And that's where the greater understanding comes. And that's where the waking up comes, the awakeness. When we can be consciously, purposefully interacting on the spiritual level, as well as the physical level, and the emotional level, mental level, with everything around us, our whole environment. That's the kind of path that the Hedekas stood on and walked on. And my path at that time was 
my old world crumbling away under my feet and a whole brand new world appearing because the old the old world the old path was was like pavement covering up the natural ground underneath me the natural path the real path that includes spiritual existence emotional existence mental existence physical existence and the connectedness our song feeling our own song learning who we are that's all by feelings all by experiencing it that's how you come to know yourself and who you are what you are and that's how you come to know what the path is that you're standing on and are you happy with that you want to change it Ooh, got crows coming over good sign and i think that's enough on this particular subject <coughs> and what that what that means what what do demano's words mean in this place this passage okay thank you kate I'm always so blown away of finding out how much you pack into a couple of paragraphs of your of your writing. And this is these are the secrets to waking up. It's the doorway to heaven. Anyway, the book is Sacred Link: Joining Fortunes with the Unknown. You can find it on Amazon if you want to learn to more about this way of life, experience it and learn it for yourself. Kay's teaching our, one of our big courses, The Call of Your Song, starting in October. You can find out more about that at katase.world forward slash call of your song. And I think that's it. Beautiful, truly beautiful. I saw my own path and, and life before, kind of pass before me on my, my journey from being comatose to getting a clue and how much you were, how much you instigated that <laughs> <laughs> and how much you were part of that. Beautiful, thank you. Thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you for watching. Do you have anything else? Uh, just thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Gilbert. Okay. Thank you for all the stuff that's in the background that makes this happen. So don't live for them. Live for you. I think that's a particularly relevant thing in our our times right now absolutely because they're trying to reinforce that into the populace even more live for them 
you don't have to do that. It never feels good anyway. It always feels just so empty and sort of wrong. And there's a piece of us that always knows we're on the wrong path. We're standing in the wrong place and we're listening to the wrong things. So I wish you all the very best of everything and so much love. So much love and happiness and beauty in your life. Thank you again. Love you. Love we'll you. see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.